This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia admitted that Ukrainian forces made a breakthrough in the southern region of Kherson after Ukraine confirmed its full control of Liman, a key logistics hub in Donetsk. The two regions were among the four that Russia illegally annexed last week. Meanwhile, Russia said it had not yet decided the borders of either Kherson or another annexed province, Zaporizhia. Dmitry Peskov, the Kremlin spokesman, said it would, quote, consult populations in those areas. Addressing the Conservative Party conference, Britain's Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng said there had been a, quote, little turbulence after his, quote, mini-budget last week, but maintained that the economy needed a, quote, new approach. Earlier, Mr. Kwarteng dropped his government's plan to abolish the 45 percent bracket for highest-earning taxpayers. Both he and the new prime minister, Liz Truss, had spent the weekend insisting they would not buckle. Svante Pabo, a Swedish geneticist, won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences announced. The Nobel Committee said that Mr. Pabo won the prize worth 10 million Swedish kroner, or $895,000, quote, for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct hominins and human evolution. The cost of credit default swaps in Credit Suisse soared as the Swiss bank failed to restore market confidence in its liquidity. Reports that the bank was trying to raise capital had led to concerns about its financial strength. Investors sold shares and bonds with the bank while seeking out CDS, which act as insurance against a company defaulting on debt. Brazil's presidential election will go to a runoff after Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva, a leftist former president, won the first round on Sunday, but failed to secure the majority he needed for an outright victory. Jair Bolsonaro, the populist right-wing incumbent, outperformed pollsters' expectations, taking 43 percent of the vote to Lula's 48 percent. The next round will take place on October 30th. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, Iran's supreme leader, expressed support for the country's police, amid a harsh crackdown on protests in which more than 130 people have been killed. While Mr. Khamenei said that the plight of Masa Amini, a 22-year-old woman whose death in custody sparked the female-led rebellion, quote, deeply broke his heart, he blamed the unrest on foreign enemies. The death toll from Hurricane Ian continues to rise. Nearly 80 people died in Florida, while four deaths have been reported in North Carolina. Thousands of Americans remain without power. Rescue operations in some coastal communities are ongoing. President Joe Biden will visit Puerto Rico and Florida this week to survey the damage there. And fact of the day, 40%, the proportion of America's hurricanes which Florida has experienced. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Russian parliament's approval of the illegal annexation of four Ukrainian regions expected to be finalized on Tuesday marks the last stage in President Vladimir Putin's land grab. The deputies will merely rubber stamp his proclamation that Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk and Zaporizhia are part of Russia following fake referendums. 
But Mr. Putin's alternative reality adds to his mounting problems. The annexations mean that Russia does not control territories it claims. Ukrainian forces have made significant gains on multiple fronts, taking Limon, a logistics hub in Donetsk, while pushing back into Kherson province in the south. The setbacks are sowing divisions among Russia's elite. Nezavisimaya, an influential Russian newspaper, called the loss of Liman, quote, a political problem, citing Chechnya's leader Ramzan Kadyrov, who blamed senior military figures for making poor tactical decisions. The rebukes do not yet target Mr. Putin, but further losses will only heighten tensions among his lieutenants. America's worker shortage drags on. The job openings and labor turnover survey used to be a sideshow in American economic data. Over the past year, it has become an essential indicator, providing a glimpse into that ultra-tight job market. On Tuesday, it is likely to show that 11 million jobs were open in August, roughly double the number of unemployed people. Such a pronounced shortage of workers explains why wages are soaring, putting upward pressure on inflation. Optimistic economists say that America can have a slowdown in inflation without suffering a steep rise in unemployment. For that to happen, they would want to see a fall in job openings, while the unemployment rate due next Friday holds steady. Pessimists argue that it will take a big hit to growth for job openings to truly fall. Ultimately, pessimists have a better track record in their forecasts over the past couple of years. The Naughty Making of Italy's Government The leadership of the Northern League, an Italian populist party, meets on Tuesday to choose which of its politicians it wants to sit at Giorgia Maloney's cabinet table. Ms. Maloney, the leader of the hard-right Brothers of Italy and prime minister-in-waiting, is struggling to form a team that reassures Italy's allies and satisfies her partners in the hard-right coalition that won September's election. Ms. Maloney will struggle to place Matteo Salvini, the League's pugnacious secretary. He wants to resume the campaign against illegal immigration he waged as interior minister in 2018-19. One option is putting him in charge of law and order. But Mr. Salvini is on trial for blocking migrants from entering port while in office. There is talk of a deputy premiership, but his past support for Russia makes Italy's allies in NATO suspicious. He could also be given responsibility for agriculture. But would Mr. Salvini, strongly critical of the EU, accept a portfolio in which most important decisions are taken in Brussels? A Police Shooting in London On September 5th, a Metropolitan Police officer shot dead Chris Caba, an unarmed black man, after chasing the car he was driving through South London. The killing drew hundreds of protesters to Scotland Yard, London's police headquarters, to decry racism. Little is known about what caused the officer, who has been suspended, to shoot. An automated system linked the vehicle's number plates to an earlier firearms offense, but more will become clear after an inquest into Mr. Kaba's death opens on Tuesday. The killing is also being investigated by the Independent Office for Police Conduct, a watchdog. Mr. Kaba's death puts Britain's largest police force under fresh scrutiny. Buffeted by scandals, the Met was recently put under investigation by another watchdog and required to produce a remedial plan for its failures. Its new commissioner, Mark Rowley, promised to be, quote, ruthless in rooting out wrongdoing. Dealing with the inquest into Mr. Kaba's death will be an early test. 
Pamuk muses on pandemics and politics. Orhan Pamuk, Turkey's most famous writer, had already spent a few years working on his new novel, a story set against the backdrop of a bubonic plague outbreak in the Ottoman Empire in the early 1900s when the COVID pandemic struck. The prolonged lockdowns and concerns about his own health inspired copious rewrites. The resulting book, Nights of Plague, which came out in Turkish last year, is released in America on Tuesday. The novel centers on a murder mystery on a fictional Ottoman island inhabited by both Turks and Greeks, but also muses about the power of modern states. Some of Mr. Pamuk's characters are familiar. Abdulhamid II, a sultan who struggles to save the Ottoman Empire, shares autocratic and Islamist tendencies with Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Another resembles the country's founder, Kemal Ataturk. Mr. Pamuk usually confines his comments on politics to interviews. This book changes that. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which opera concerns the attempts of Susanna, a maid to escape the romantic attentions of her employer, Count Almaviva? Monday. Which device for protecting buildings is generally held to have been invented by Benjamin Franklin? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Buster Keaton, who was born on this day in 1895. Marriage is fine as an institution, but bad as a habit. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.